Burnout is increasingly rampant in the business world. We need new approaches, but that doesn't mean that these new approaches can't be adopted from traditional wisdom. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk because my guest today, who happens to be a rabbi, believes that some of the most relevant ideas of Judaism can be made accessible to people of all backgrounds. Let's just see if he's right. A pocket-sized pep talk podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jealous. Today's guest, Rabbi Matthew Ponak, is a teacher of Jewish mysticism, spiritual counselor, and the co-founder of the Makora Institute, an online spiritual center for embodied practice. He also holds a master's degree in contemplative religions and is certified as a focusing professional to guide others to deeper self-knowledge and healing. He's also the author of Embodied Kabbalah. And that's why we've got him on the show. Nice to see you, Matthew, and welcome aboard. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. Well, it's a pleasure. So let's dive in. And with you, I want to get right to the connection that we, we started with and, and maybe kind of climb into the heart of burnout. So, so give me something that will represent a new approach that's adapted from actually traditional wisdom. The notion that people can work and work and work and then stop and that their minds will stop as well is completely a fallacy. The It actually takes a great amount of effort and preparation and intention to have a restful, a truly restful experience. It is not something that comes automatically. And so tapping into the Jewish wisdom of Shabbat, the day of rest, which isn't simply about stopping work. It's a very active process of nourishing our bodies and doing things we enjoy. And in general, just orienting to everything that's good and right in the world. That is what I believe is very valuable for people when thinking about burnout in the workplace today. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, some good friends in New York. Uh, my, my friend, and I've known him for 40 years, is a fertility specialist, and he's uh, happens to be a practicing Jew. And he is the most driven workaholic, sorry, Richard, person that I know. He knows it. Uh, we talk about it a lot. And yet, come sundown on Friday, everything stops. And quite frankly, I don't think he'd be alive. Certainly don't think he'd still be married if he didn't have that mechanism. And it was immovable. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> okay. uh, it was immovable. So it's not something that I practice, but it's something that I've seen practiced by somebody that, who really needed it. Uh, what I love about what you're saying, Matthew, is that uh, you know, we don't have to wait for the warning signals. It's a really, it's, it's, it's a nice routine. Uh, so, so walk us through that routine. Cause I just, I just mentioned sundown Friday, right? So, so how does that work? So just to, to name this straight off the bat, I'm not suggesting people do this Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. <laughs> this is a in the same way that people don't have to be Buddhist monks to meditate today and practice mindfulness, even though traditionally that's where it was happening. Right. I am promoting uh, a way of 
utilizing and, and gaining from this tradition in order to enhance our lives, that it doesn't have to be a full day a week. It can be in the evening. It can be on the weekday. It could be a Sunday. It could be at lunch. The, the, the basic flow traditionally is now it starts, the day starts on Friday evening, but the preparation is happening before that right. because the one of the central elements of the Shabbat practice is what in Hebrew is called oneg, which means delight. And it's actually about delighting ourselves and feeling good. And so if someone has a particular food that they like, they're supposed to save it for that day. And that'll be their day of deliciousness. There's there's usually more napping. There, people are engaging with more gratitude on that day. And it, yeah, it starts in the evening. There are meals, delicious meals with song and celebration. And, family. and there's also, sorry? And family. And family, yeah. The absolutely. family part. That was, that's yes. a big deal. <laughs> yes, family and, and guests. I mean, someone doesn't have to have a family. Right, right, right to to go home to 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 do this practice, but that is a very family oriented occasion, and then they essentially are some combination of during the week, the prayers that people say in a in a traditional Jewish mindset have to do with the central prayers. They have to do with things that we are lacking. Their prayers, they're asking. Oh, we we need knowledge and wisdom and and justice and and health. And all of those things. But on Shabbat, the prayers have more to do with gratitude and thanks. And so we're supposed to come to a place during that time where we don't see the world as anything other than whole. The world is as it should be. And we can say that to ourselves as a mantra, but the way it really gets in there is by spending time with loved ones, doing things that feel like celebrations and by nourishing our bodies as well as our hearts. So that it's not just a thought process. We can actually enter into a space where we feel good and thankful. And that is what leads to refreshment. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I've, I've always preached for people to, uh, to, to maintain journals because I, I, to me, we all want to sort of capture and, and assess what's going on. But when you do a journal, you be what I call methodically observant. You're not just observant, but there's a method to your observance. And what I like where you're coming from here is that you're actually putting a method in. I'm also glad you, you got me off the Friday night thing and 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 got this to a much bigger picture, which is a, a method, a moment uh, that's planned to because we can't wait till we feel like it. We've all learned how that works. It's planned. I'll throw one other thing at you real quickly. When the pandemic started, I guess in my own way, I created my own little Shabbat. Uh, at the weeks, we were all cooped up. We were all stuck inside. We weren't really seeing people. Days were dragging on and on. Weeks were dragging on and on. So I created something that I called, I still do it, by the way, Weekend Wednesday. And Weekend Wednesday was my way of doing what you're saying in a sense, which is, okay, it's in the middle of the week. I'm still going to do my work. But come five o'clock, I'm going to pretend it's a weekend night. Well, what would I do on a weekend night? Sort of what you're, I mean, that, that reward, slowing it down, sitting down with my wife, having a meal, just pausing. And I can tell you that uh, with the pandemic easing, still got my weekend Wednesdays. I haven't gotten rid of them yet. So I, I think a lot of us could benefit from uh, 
a weekend Wednesday every night of the week, in fact, <laughs> and finding it's really all about balance. Right. But a lot of people have had the experience of, of working on a project, could be any kind of project and getting stuck, a writer's block or some version of that for planning presentations. And the attitude here is that we actually, the more we try to continue solving that problem, the farther we can get away from it. Sometimes the best thing to do is completely turn away from it and turn towards something enjoyable. Turn towards something. For me, I love walking in the woods. I love going to any natural places. And there's I get this sense of being lost in them. I remember when I was a student and I was writing an essay, I, it was stuck. And so I said, you know, I'm putting this down and I I just went for a walk and about 15 minutes along, I forgot about the paper and I just enjoyed the beauty of, of the trees around me. I was living in Massachusetts at the time. And it was at that moment that the answer to the problem in the essay just came into my mind that in action, so to speak, is sometimes the best way of, of solving problems, but it's it's a catch-22. It's it's a paradox because we, we actually have to forget about it for a while and and just engage with something really nourishing. Right. Yeah. And and one of the things I'm taking away right now is uh, the planning is really putting it down. It's, you know, it's funny. We all, I talk to people who are working on books and like, I, I really don't have the time. And I go, well, do you work out? And they go, oh yeah, always work out. <laughs> you know, well, how do you do that? I, I preserve and place time. And then they'll go through with this whole method. What happens if something gets in the way? Well, I either move it or I put, I do is or I put, but there's, it, it's not, it's immovable. So there are certain things in our life, and I think pausing and reflecting, doing the things you're talking about, uh, we got to put that in the category of the need to, not the nice to, uh, for our for our own health and well-being and those around us too. So um, I, I think that's a nice connection. Got that one. So so, so yeah. part of the attitude there too is there's a there's this very ancient uh, Jewish spiritual technology you could call it of being accountable to other people. It's clearly not only Jewish, but so the, the prayer services traditionally need 10 people to show up, to even happen. Right, right. And one of the major positive impacts of that on a community or on people, if people rely on you, it's really hard to sort of flake out. So the idea of having, let's say it was something that you were doing with others. It could be coworkers at lunch, really. It could be a something, people having a, a gratitude circle where they're also just sharing food, something like that. It could be more or less formal, but if there's a place that you're, that people are depending on you to be there for, for this to take place, that is actually a self-discipline strategy that people can employ when they're, when they're doing that preparation. Uh, it, for some people who are very, let's say introverted, uh, I am not one of those people, but I've heard they exist. And the, I don't know if you're one of those people, Rob, either. You no, don't strike no, me as well. No, I'm a yes, card carrying extrovert. It's uh... but supposing someone what they really need to balance themselves with was time alone. Great. On some level, that's easier, but it's a question of how putting time aside and, and making it something that's going to be appealing to do, hopefully not just appealing, but delightful. And yeah. then also finding ways to to carve it out and, and be, be accountable for that. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The other piece I just want to share, which is we're talking about what to say yes to, but what to say no to. I, I am of the opinion that if someone wants to have a relaxing break, either at work or on the weekend, it's really hard to do that right now with technological devices. 
that having a, our phones, it's one thing to say, I'm going to call a friend and have a nice conversation, but pretty soon notifications are going to pop up. And for a lot of people, that's sometimes enough just to get them out of that mindset. So what I do, also, this is a very much a, a practice for the Jewish Sabbath is, is we don't use our devices. There's no phones or TVs classically, but even just in the most practical sense, there's for me, nothing that can quite get me out of that mindset, like accidentally seeing a news article or a text message or a to-do pop up. And so part of the planning is also in, in advance, not just putting them away, but trying to get them somewhere where it's really hard to get to. So sometimes I'll leave my phone in my office and I'll go home and just have the, the, the dinner with my family or I'll leave, make sure I'm just going for this walk out into the woods with with no devices on me because that I know I'll be able to, to just tap into what what's real and what's enjoyable in the moment. Okay. I, 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 okay, everyone, climb back out off the ledge now. It's just a device. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is part of it. And, um, you know, the traditional sense, and my friend is very traditional, the power is off. Uh, they're, they're not using their cell phones. They're not using their light bulbs. They are, um, you know, very traditional. Uh, but, they do, uh, as I said, I, I've witnessed this for 40 years, uh, how valuable and important that is and how it's, it's a family of five children. So it's a family of seven and how connected the family was able to stay despite the intense workload of this individual. The most I, I work pretty hard. I, I've never seen anybody work like this guy. And yet that's how valuable it was. So good. All right. Got We got the device part now. I wanted to take a running running start at this next question. So I wanted to sort of make that connection uh, in terms of burnout. But you are the you're, you're the, the first person I've ever had on my show who wasn't really coming from the sales world or the or the, the presentation world. And you know, we're 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 walking a very thin line here, you know, about spirituality and 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 how and where we bring that in so with regards to the workplace how should people bring their spirituality into the workplace i think the method that the mindfulness movement has taken is a really good example it is scientifically researched you know there's there's good evidence behind its effectiveness for calming people down but it really has been removed from a culturally specific or religious context and pe i am really believe people need to be themselves in the world and the workplace if there was let's say a a top down kind of facilitation thing happening that was teaching something that wasn't universal, but felt more culturally specific or or religious in a particular way. I think that that's when it gets into trickier territory, that there are elements of every spiritual tradition that are very valuable to people of any kind of background or belief system or people who have no belief system around, you know, what happens to us after we die or anything like that. There's But there's a, a method to, to basically extract it or to be inspired by it and create something new. So people who can access the wisdom and the lessons from there's so there's thousands of years of of these 
teachings from all these different traditions. If we can tap into those, but then distribute it or teach it in a way that isn't about a particular belief. It's more about something that's practical and useful. I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. It, it, like I say, it's a tough line. I, I actually taught a program for a group. That, it was a very spiritual group. Just leave it at that. And I was really trying to help um, people who were struggling with their careers and and really getting beaten up and, and losing hope. And it was a two-day program. So I had quite a few modules. And one of the modules I put in there was meditation. And uh, because I am... Um, I practice transcendental meditation and I thought maybe that could help. And it's where the two worlds collided because I ran one of the programs, but by the time I got to the second one, I was asked to remove that from the participant guide. And it was the first time where I thought I, I had never even made a, a spiritual connection to that. I was just looking to get them rested and, you know, I, I was looking for the benefits of meditation. I really wasn't introducing them to the, to the yogi. And, uh, but I, it was interesting because I, that's when I started learning, wow, there are some real tentacles here that reach deep into people. It, it's really easy to overstep that. And here I was just talking about mindfulness is this incredibly accessible thing. And you're saying, well, even that, even forms of meditation might not work in every environment. And that's true. There's some pretty tried, tested, and true ones. It's rare that someone will have a a personal objection on theological grounds to gratitude, for example. Yeah. Or even or even to breathing on its own. Take let's take a few deep breaths together before we start. There are it's it can be these days a bit of a minefield, but in general, if there's a way of presenting the material in the most practical a religious way, I think that that's the way to go about it. Yeah. Okay, let's remind everybody, the, the book is called Embodied Kabbalah. Uh, although you say tomato, I say tomato. I hear from, from the rabbi, there's a few ways to say Kabbalah. Now, how do you say it again? Kabbalah. Kabbalah, okay. Next, to, I, I, I informed him before we started, I will not be saying it that way, uh, <laughs> just because I've, I, I'm, I'm challenged on certain things. But uh, okay. And we can find that book on Amazon and, yeah. and okay, great online stores. So the reason why, and, and this, I, I, I like where we're going with my next question here, because I really wanted to see if we could talk about this book and really kind of work within the business community here. And so the business world requires, we get knocked down a lot, not just in, not when you're in sales, you get knocked down a lot, but uh, everybody gets knocked around a little bit. Uh, and yet um, we can learn from that. How does your book speak to, to resiliency? How does your book speak to somebody who might be listening right now and is, is up against it, is battling hard? So I would say that there are two ways generally that people approach this topic within the, the religious texts, within the teachings from, from the book, and there is a time for simply pushing through. Some people seem to be more naturally suited to that method. Someone gets a, you know, you're out on a sales trip and you get a big no, you know, or a very aggressive no or something like that. There are some people and, and some moments for each of us where the best thing to do is say, okay, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to go somewhere else. 
the idea of getting back up again. And that's just, just how it's got to be. But the other method, which I think everyone can use sometimes, and there's some people such as myself, I am a more sensitive person. I, if someone says no to me around certain topics, especially, I feel it's not something I'm just going to get back up again and keep going with sometimes. Sometimes I need to take a little bit of time out. And the the method is basically a intentional reflection on what has happened, trying to separate out, let's say if it was a, an aggressive way of speaking that I heard, separating out some of those negative things that really have nothing to do with me from the actual lessons that are there. There's a concept in Kabbalah, basically in English, which is going down for the sake of rising higher. That mistakes or missteps or difficult moments actually have within them the best fuel for our own growth. So resiliency doesn't have to happen in three seconds. Someone can take like one of these mini Shabbat, this mini oasis out of their day or even just save it, save it for later and do some reflecting. And the best way that that can happen, in my opinion, is if people are feeling resourced during that time. And that means things like being well-fed or doing something enjoyable or just calming for the moment. So then that reflection can start to happen. So every opportunity, every mistake is an opportunity to grow, but for that, that takes sometimes longer for people or depending on what, what they just encountered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is true. I bet I, I, I'm, I can tick, I'm ticking them off in my head as you're speaking. Uh, I, I'll give you one classic example. Uh, you know, we, we had, listen, a little rain falls in everybody's life. Um, we're, we're all, we're all going to end up in the same direction, <laughs> almost at the same place, but we all have different places, but, but, uh, you know, some years ago, maybe 15 years ago, we had a significant fire in our home. Uh, no one was hurt. No one was harmed. And, um, but I think it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to my family, to me and my family. Um, and again, I stress no one was hurt. No one was harmed. Um, but it, we learned from it. We, we were stronger as a family from it. Sometimes I think we work so hard at, at, at trying to avoid any type of pain that we can miss the lesson from 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 that pain. That there's some value to it. It's as strange as it sounds. Not quite at that moment. I wasn't really out in the court thinking how lucky I was while it was still smoldering. But um, all three of my children coincidentally wrote their essays for college about that exact topic. It 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 was a significant moment for them, but not in a depressing manner. In a in a in a reassessing and more appreciative and they, they found other lessons in it. So I'm really connecting to what you're saying right now about, about, um, you know, the lessons we learn in, in, in more challenging times. Um, and like I said, you know, we don't have to rush it while it's going on, you know, but, uh, but it's there. And, uh, those are the ones that last, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it can also happen in, in, really small ways too. I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've been, I was part of a flood when I lived in Boulder, Colorado. And I remember after how all of our neighbors got together more and got to know each other. And it was really a, this bonding time. But even I remember teaching a course at this summer camp I was working in a few years ago. 
And I read the feedback after the first week from these teens. And I had sort of been warned that, you know, well, they, they're not, it was really harsh. And it was almost like knocked me over. I'd never received feedback like that on anything, any any course before or since. And I I had to take a bit of time. Yeah. And I I found that, oh, well, some of these points are, well, they just signed up for the wrong class clearly and they shouldn't have been in mind. But some of them, yeah, no, I could be spending time with more planning in advance and, and creating a curriculum. So just in case my activity didn't go well, I can have a lot that I can bring up as a result. And after that, I incorporated it. I spent more time planning and the classes were going much better. But I had to to take a few minutes aside. And for me, it, it was just thinking. I actually, I remember lying down, feeling comfortable. And I, after about half an hour, I had processed it and it felt pretty good. But sometimes people are doing things like journaling or even talking it out to a friend and, and finding a productive way of, of working through it. Cause there's always gems anytime we're, we're faced with that kind of rejection or hardship or the, just the word no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it becomes some of the most important parts of our lives. As I say, just not quite at that moment. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, 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 but, but it, it's becomes very valuable. You know, there's another school of thought, and it's, that's like 1A. 1B is the school of thought that suggests avoiding a conversation about problems um, is, you know, is is better than actually having the conversation about the problem, dealing with the problem. And um, I think I know your thoughts on this one, but I want I'd love to hear you talk about that because I think it's instinct versus logic. I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to go in a logical direction but our instinct isn't quite there. I think, in fact, there's a time for both of those. Uh-huh. I And I'll just go back to this idea of the burnout. If I am in trying to get into that refreshment mode, whether it's on Shabbat or I'm just, you know, I've left my, my phone at the office and I'm at home and something comes up that feels like a big deal. I might not, not necessarily deal with it right then and there. I'll say, yeah, maybe let's talk about this in a little while. That if I'm in a really good place and that's what I'm trying to cultivate in that moment, I actually don't want to go into the the darkness, you know, go explore the, uh, the I don't want to descend for, for rising higher at that moment. I actually just want to transcend it. So that is, I think, a valuable strategy in the right moments, or even just, I don't have time for this right now. I have another project I'm working on. I'm going to, I'm going to put a pause on that. But if all we're ever doing is transcending it means we're actually leaving behind these insights that we could possibly be gaining. And if it's a relational problem, again, with with someone at work, for example, or, or on a team or a client, and it's ongoing and we've transcended it so many times, we're actually avoiding the potential solution to that as well and, and potentially harming the relationship by not actually being real. So it's really about a balance. It's either or, and it depends on the context. And if, again, if all we're ever doing is engaging deeply with everything, we might actually be misspending our time in some regards, but it might be a bit too much as well. It's, right. it's, these are different strategies for different moments. Yeah. You know, I was raised by a, a wonderful man, but who had, you know, some little minor flaws like the rest of us. And one of the ones that he mentored me on was sort of how to take care of those issues with people or disappointment or relationships. And that was, uh, as you were speaking, I, I, I just created a name for it. So this is about 18 seconds long, but I'm going to call it the severance method. Just 
just sever it, uh, cut it loose. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Don't deal with it. Get it behind you, as we say. And the 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 unusual thing about that, the good news about that is, it actually does feel good in the short term. It feels Ooh. almost empowering in the short term. The problem is the long term. The problem is um, what are we actually learning from that? I, I I like where you're going because I I I don't want to be a professional victim. I think if we don't deal with these problems it's going to recast itself in a different play. It's going to, it's going to come up. It won't be the plumber this time. It'll be the principal, but it's just different characters playing the same roles of they're not good. And you're right all the time. And, um, and so you know, listening to that feedback, as you mentioned, and reflecting on things on problems. Um, I can tell you that I'm, 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 I'm proud of the fact that it, it wasn't easy for me. It took me into my mid twenties, the late twenties to realize, cause I took everything that this guy said as, as the truth that that one, he didn't have quite right. And thank goodness he was around and we talked about it. And, um, he was actually very, um, receptive to where I was going, which was, I, I actually want to learn from it, uh, and, 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 and figure it out. And, and that way I could eliminate it. But that was my journey. And so he received your feedback. He did. Sounds like. He yeah. did. So yeah. there we go. That sounds yeah. like it came full circle in a way. Yeah. And he lived it, Matthew. He he um he really abided by it. He worked on it. Um, you know, he was uh he lived till he was uh almost 90 years old. And I would say that we got into that conversation in his early 70s. So we had a couple of decades of him not just nodding his head. But um, figuring it out and, and you know, it was it was really cool to watch. Very cool. I, I like that also because it reminds me of what you were saying about the long game, the short game versus the long game and there's or the long term. I think that that active grappling with what's difficult as opposed to the transcending method is really it really is about the long term and yeah. it can build slowly. And one of the ideas with a temporary break of nourishing time to punctuate that is it's almost like we can f get a sense of, of kind of what we're striving for even in the midst of that of that longer game if you know what i'm saying that a lot of people imagine themselves let's say in retirement or on vacation with uh in tahiti or wherever you know enjoying something that is physically delightful doing yeah. something engaging with something that is beautiful and that is is a goal we strive for right and it let's say retirement takes all of this time to build up for it. But what if we could experience the end result, so to speak, or something that feels like that as a regular part of our existence? That is where those that the long game and the short game come together. That Shabbat consciousness or this, this attitude of the rest and refreshment is really about feeling good right now and not worrying about the, the world or our lives or anything. It's like everything is good right now. And that's the feeling. But complements the longer work it can inspire us to do more and it, it's really about having a, a mix of those in our lives i think that is one of the things that really brings well-being and productivity and insights and some some of my best ideas i've ever had have been while in a state of intentional rest and refreshment where i was like i'm no more work i'm just gonna enjoy myself and that's when it comes and it, they actually really feed, feed each other right Somebody, somebody might lean over and go, well, you were kind of lucky to, to, to think that, but it, you know, that's not so much luck. You have a method to kind of get there. So it's just, it's to me, it was, it, 
that success was predicted in a way. Um, that's where, that's why I'm, I'm a man of processes. I like, you know, that, that nutty weekend Wednesday, laugh at it all you want, but it really helped not just me, my children celebrate weekend Wednesday. Um, and, uh, I don't know if we use that term anymore, but I still do. I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, I, I am, I am so enjoying this conversation and I'm, I just, I'm, I'm grateful because I know I've got a business audience that's listening right now. I know I've got a lot of job seekers. I'm 13 years in that space. And, uh, and you're hearing about resiliency and you're hearing about a lot of things that we, that you need to focus on. And I think that we're not, you know, call it what you want. <laughs> uh, th- these concepts are invaluable. And, um, I just think it's really cool that you've made that connection, um, and, and, um, and, and, and did quite a good job of it. Tell me about some mentors that you may have had along the line. Yeah, well, I've had a a number of very impactful people in my life. I think one of my, well, my, I guess, suppose one of my two earliest mentors, my father, uh, he is a man who works very hard. He is. He was a professor for a long time and event, later became an arbitrator. He does labor arbitration. And one of the things that he really taught me just by being who he was, was integrity. That he is a man who is reliable and dependable. And, you know, we all have our moments of saying things we might not wish we have said, though he is quite careful in his speech. But he's someone who who just was exemplified trustworthiness, I would say. From a from a young age, yeah. So there's there's one talking about our fathers. Give me another one, because 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 our dads are are, are a layup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. It's almost disrespectful to people listening. If we are so blessed, then then that is true. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me another one. Well, another one was a professor that I had in my undergraduate training. And he actually was in another department, but I sort of had connections there, we'll say. And he, I got into this class, which was a wilderness retreat class for business students. I mean, some of the people I was in Alberta, some of them were probably going to become oil executives in the future if they haven't already. And he was taking them. And there's obviously a lot of things people talk about with climate and oil. And he was taking them to, on a wilderness retreat. And he was getting them to do a 24 hours solo in, in the woods, essentially in the mountains. And it was this very sort of deep contemplative retreat experience. He had a, an, a really amazing blend between the practical and the spiritual, the practical and the universal, and had the kind of, he the course reviews he was getting were saying things like, you know, his name was David Lertzman. He actually passed away a couple of years ago, but he, people, he changed my life. And, and it's, helping people connect to to really who they truly were so that they could be their best selves in the world. I know that we can have as many tactics we want or approaches to doing the job we are we have, but at the end of the day, having a sense of meaning and of purpose behind that is just about equal to all of those other methods, if you will. So it was on that retreat that I first thought about being a rabbi, in fact, mm. and or at least really consciously. And 
I think, yeah, he was, it, there's really too much to say about the impact he was having on me and the other students. But one of the real takeaways was if we find out who we are and find out what the world needs, we can f- really find our place in it. And then a lot of the the work can can flow from that place of, of passion and, and meaning. Wow. Well, he did a heck of a job then. Um, that's, that's incredible, really. Um, look, the book is called Embodied. Kabbalah. Thank you. Very, very nice. Much. Very Thank nice. You don't have to tell me four times. I'll get it. By. Uh, and uh, we can find it anywhere. And uh, folks, you know that the, my drill is uh, get the book, read the book, and then write a nice review on the book uh, because you're going to like it. And um, I, I, I decided I'd throw out a, a, a little extra on this one. If you If you've never written a review on a book, on Amazon, which means a great deal to authors, by the way. Uh, shoot me an email, rob at jollis.com, and I will send you a how to write an Amazon review. So so we'll, we'll take all the pain out of it and make it nice and easy for you. But let's get some reviews on this book. Let's get some let's get some action here. And um, uh, and also, Matthew, I believe you might be doing some uh, some professional speaking on this topic. Is that correct? You're starting to think about going down that alley? Absolutely. Yes. That is Good. the direction I'm going in. Good. So, uh, you know, it's it's where I say, let's put Rob on the bench for a while. You've heard from me. Uh, I'll bet you've heard from a lot of speakers. Have you ever heard a speaker like this bring this message in and thread the needle on really just some of the bigger picture things that we can do to be more productive? Uh, but But from a conversation that I don't think we're typically having. So I think that would be a very interesting topic. How do people get a hold of you? They can find me at matthewponak.com and send me a message through there. So that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-P-O-N-A-K.com. There you go. Perfect. And the book is out, right? It's at Amazon book right is out. now. Yep. It's on perfect. Amazon. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I am grateful to have had this conversation with you. I was kind of holding my breath before we got going, but I've been exhaling the whole time. <laughs> Matter of fact, for me, it, it actually got emotional a couple of times. Um, and um, that speaks to uh, the depth of your message. So I'm grateful to have had you on. Really appreciate the conversation, Matthew. Thanks so much, Rob. I really appreciate the conversation as well. And uh, I'm glad that we are inhaling and exhaling together because both parts are important. There you go. And We have a method for it. Well, we'll do it again as well as we can next time, everyone. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com. <laughs>